Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside, who's with me today? Pete Mac Daddy USC Robertson. <laughs> oh, geez. USC. <laughs> I had a friend of mine. I had a friend of mine the other day. Um, he's never called me Mac Daddy before. No? But I know he listens to the show. And uh, and he texted me the other day. Hey, Mac Daddy. Nice. I, was like, I was like, what? I said, so, yeah, he was listening to the show. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. He kind of gave it away. Yeah, that so he's listening to the show because yeah. he started calling you Mac. Yeah, I like it. You're your riot. Yeah. Then avatar. And then you brought in USC because USC's defense is horrible. And so. So any of you guys have been listening, you know that we had this like. Yeah. Can I share a deep secret? Yeah, go for it. I have never been to Capitol Grill. Really? Never, ever, oh, ever. Oh, this will be fun. So I am looking forward to this. Now go ahead. Well, that's what we're <laughs> talking about, Capital Grill. So Barry was on the show of last month or a few months ago, and uh, he comes up with this great idea. And he's like, I think Liberty Flames are going to win it all. And Bob's like, no, FSU is going to. And I'm like, man, USC's D, uh, offense is pretty incredible. So I, I think they're going to be in a lot of games. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner coming back. Everything. I watched the first game of the USC and immediately I come back to Bob is like, um, they're not going to win at all, man. Their defense <laughs> is not good. There's no way when they hit those good teams. And then they won that net USC won the next week. They won the next week and they barely won the next week. And I'm like, Nope, they're, they're not. Well, they're like six and oh, right. Or yeah. Five but, and oh, six yeah. And oh. But their defense was just not good. And then boom, they hit Utah and their defense fell apart. Then they hit, um, who else did they go? They went to Oregon. Uh, no, Washington and Notre Dame. They did Utah, Notre Dame, and Oregon. I mean, at Oregon, Washington. Washington, all great offenses, everything to go. Their defense didn't show up and they lost three in a row. So the bet was who has the best record at the end of the year? Obviously, USC doesn't. We have three losses. FSU is undefeated and Liberty's undefeated. So. Yeah. Yeah. Nine and oh, baby. So and guess it's Miami Hurricane Week. So, so guess who guess who gets to pay for the Capitol Grill? USC fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete that, is setting up a me page. Yeah, right. So. <laughs> That's the University of Southern California, by the way, not South Carolina Gamecocks. Wait, you might want to switch. What's the record? No, they're not. That no, good no good. Never mind. No. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny from, I'm from Orange County, California and Orange County, California has some of the big schools, uh, modern days and all these big high schools that are down there. And it's just, you know, whatever it is, that's USC land. You know, we've just always loved USC from that, that part of the town. That was just always brought up that. And so, and then a lot of my friends went there and played. That's why I love it. So have you given up on college football? Are you so, still watching? Because there were some good games this week. I'm going to give you kind of, I got it. I got a letter of acceptance into USC. This is something that people didn't know. This week? <laughs> Out of school. And I chose not to. And that's where my whole story went to. I went to a different college, but I was going to sign with the Minnesota Twins and just this whole thing that happened during that time. And then I also got a full ride scholarship to Biola University. Who? Biola. You ever heard of them? No. So it's a it's a Christian university in California. So it's they're very big in California. A Biola. Um, but I didn't. What's their mascot? I have no idea. 
no idea. I've never, I've never heard of him. Yeah. Ooh, Biola. There goes the microphone. So, like, uh, you heard of Josh McDowell? Yes. So he's, uh, uh, his his son is, what's his Sean McDowell? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So yeah, his yeah, son yeah. Sean McDowell. They're like professor. He, they're a professor at Biola. So oh, a lot okay. of a lot of those guys are. That's where they serve. Is there? So a lot of big names have come as far as theologians. Anyway. I don't know why I said that. I don't know either. But, but people got a little bit more of my history. Well, because, there you go. I didn't know. I didn't know, but I've never heard of that school before. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard of them. They've got a couple of good books out. Yeah. That I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was going on? So yeah, the Seminoles. Um, excited about that big rivalry game this weekend. So when I was growing up as a kid, this was the big weekend. The yeah. Miami Florida State game yeah. was anything huge. goes. Yeah, and it's uh, the Seminole fans, they would start banging the drum. They bring out the big tom-tom, uh-huh. the big drum, uh-huh. and it starts after the game the week before, and they have somebody banging the drum for a, do they sol- have like for any a solid va- week. Do they have, like, vandalism that goes on between the two schools? Do they ever no, do any of that it's stuff? it's not like the Gators. Oh. You know? no, these- UCLA <laughs> and USC does that. So they, like, they go do something on each other's campus or something. Uh, yeah. No. they still... I think one of, they like to lock up this something and something they steal it or something. I don't know. Well, Miami and and Florida State are, are so like far away. so far yeah. away. They're both in Florida, but it's like an eight hour drive. It is a long, <laughs> it's route, a yeah. long way. You you better fly. Yeah, they would have to fly up that yeah. that whole that too. Yeah, USC <laughs> USC UCLA are like an hour away, so they're but close. yeah, what yeah. a great rivalry, and it has been for a long time. So that'll be fun. And then in two more weeks, we get the Gators. So the big finish but anything can go with that too so yeah. that that is too so That's you talk I mean. about you're Louisville. like you're like surrendering the bed already and uh you know no but you're not gonna have three losses we're not gonna come get, on i don't think so no you guys would have to implode and that's not good going into the playoffs yeah, well if we lose a game we won't be in the playoffs because they'll take two big 10 teams or something so right now i think it's going to be i mean right now it's pretty obvious so it's, it's uh georgia defending two-time defending champs right yeah It'll be the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah. This is the last year with four teams. Yeah. Uh, if Florida State stays undefeated, they'll be in. And if, same for Washington. If Washington stays undefeated, I think they're in. I think uh, Oklahoma, I think is – no, they're out. They lost. Didn't they just lose a game or something? I don't know. I think There's I, another big unbeaten, I thought. I thought there were six. Maybe not. But Liberty's unbeaten. James Madison is unbeaten. Air Force went down this weekend to Army. They were unbeaten. Oh man! So that's a. So there's a lot of people that are listening. Like we don't follow college football at all. Well, sorry, we do. We, <laughs> we do. <laughs> they're like we're NFL people. Well, we like NFL too. Miami lost. Oh, every time they play a good team, they lose. Kansas City is a good team. So, I know. Yeah. So they're still got. I mean, yeah. a two game lead. I think in the division. I don't really have Buffalo. An NFL team, Buffalo though. lost. Yeah. Or maybe we're only a game ahead of Buffalo. I think if I if I had a team in the NFL, it had to be the Rams because I mean I went to the most Rams games are the Raiders. I mean those are Raiders. Yeah, I only went to one or two games in the Coliseum when the Raiders played, uh, and it was with Jay Schrader, and we had Jay Schrader on this show. He was a quarterback. Yeah, but... so you got you got to root for the Raiders. Huh? Oh, though, <laughs> it's more the Rams, and the Rams are not that good this year. So anyway, right. well we. Wrapped up the book of John last week. Remember that? I was excited about that. That was like an emotional show because we ran it for how long? A year and a half or something? Three and a half no. centuries. Yeah, three, three and a half centuries. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were in the book for about a year and a half. Now, I, yeah. I say that, but we do lots of yeah. 
you know, different topics. Yeah. It wasn't every week, yeah. but it did take us about a year and a half yeah. to get through the book of yeah. John. Yeah. So we're like, so let's, let's, where can we go now that, you know, maybe it won't take a year and a half, you know, we'll go like a little small book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little small book. <laughs> But no, we, we were talking and, and uh, praying about this, and we've decided that uh, we're going to go to the first book. Yep, Genesis. Genesis. But we're not going to start in the beginning. No. You're going to give us a recap. Yeah, I'll go with the context. So after yeah. I pray, you want to give us a recap? I can. I'm so excited, though. I mean, I mean it's... I he, He's not lying. So the, the show prep today, he's just, he's bubbling over about this show. I absolutely, this show is a game title. changer. Give him the title. Let, him, let, let that marinate for a, four or five minutes while we get everything else set up. Babel prostitutes versus God's order. There you go. Yeah, it's just funny, right? Boom, there's your title. Babel prostitutes versus <laughs> God's order. We'll give context, I promise. Oh, uh, man. Let's pray. Let's go for it. Heavenly Father, we just uh, we're just grateful that we have the opportunity to just serve you, to read your word, dive into this amazing book that you have shared with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your uh, kindness. Thank you for being the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Lord, uh, we just ask you to be with the show today. Bless our listeners. Open their eyes and ears to uh, your word. And I just pray that everything that Pete and I uh, discuss today points people to you. Always, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. You were going to give a recap. Kind well, of a well, context. Here's kind of the thing. So let's do, let's go to the opening statement. Right. And then let's read um, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And then I will then give Then you the want full, to do it. All yeah, right. Let's go for it. Here we go. All right. Today's show, we are calling, we already gave you the title, but we're going to call it Babel Prostitutes versus God's Order. We will start the book of Genesis in chapter 11. In this chapter, we will learn that man does what he can and God does what he wills. Mm. This statement was written by the Augustinian monk Thomas A. Kempis in the early 1400s in his book titled On the Imitation of Christ. Solomon used more words, but said it best in Proverbs 19.21. There he says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel will only stand. Amen. Few chapters in the Bible illustrate this truth better than Genesis 11. When we read the narrative about Babel, we immediately get the impression that God is at work in his world and is accomplishing his purposes in spite of the plans and projects of sinful people. Yeah, I mean, in the context that we're going to get at today is that man does what man's going to do in the flesh, but God's going to do what God's going to do in the spirit. And, and no matter how much we think we're in control, we're not in control. <laughs> you look at the chaos and everything that's happening in our world today. And, and, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, everything's out of control, but God is still orchestrating the next steps. He's still in control. And this is the table setter. So what we're going to read today is kind of sets us up where we're at today. And uh, we're going to give it context as we get, we just start reading and diving in. So let's read. So let's read Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and then we'll break that up and we'll start talking about Here it. Here we go. All right. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them through thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and I've never heard of this word. What is it? Bidumen? Yeah. Help no, me out with that. No, for, I'm with you. For mortar. I don't yeah. know what that is. I should have looked that up. It's like a, yeah. 
Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, there are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us let us go down and there, go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. Who's us? I don't know. We're gonna get into that. Okay, good. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. From there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Yes. Amen. So dispersed all over. Yeah. So we, so let's give context here. So in Genesis, Genesis one, it says that we created them in our image. We know that, right? Um, it says, let us, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And we know that he created, it was, there was more than, you know, let us create, you know, the heavens, the earth and all that stuff. So we know that there's an us there. So we're asking, well, who are us, right? A lot of people say, well, it's the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Okay. We get that. Um, and then the other question is here is it's talking about Lord and it's talking about us and who are the us. And so let's kind of just go into that. And then I'm going to get into, so the context is Genesis, God created man, um, man uh, rebelled against God. The first slaying of the Bible was Cain killing Abel. We know that um, that set up a system of dominance. So if we look at the world history from there, Man, if you if man ultimately will kill you to get their way, we know that we know that with governments, we know that with people, um, they'll fight you, they'll beat you, they'll do something to cause pain to you if they're stronger than you. That's just how that's how the world set up. So that started with Cain and Abel. We know in Genesis six that there was a bunch of angels that did some really bad things. They impregnated um, the human women. We had Nephilim. We had uh, a bunch of giants and so forth. That's a whole nother show that we could do a whole nother day, but that screwed up everything. Right. So now sin is rampant amongst the, the nations. God is looking at it and he's seeing that there's sin in every corner. But he sees Noah, which was a man called after God. He was a he was a, a good man. He was a man that still feared God. And so God called him to build the ark. And then God's like, I'm done with this. I'm angry. The world is is in chaos. Everything's gone. He sends the flood, wipes them all out. After the flood, Mo, uh, Noah lives another 335 years. Right. Now we get to this point. This point is in Tower of Babel. This is where Nimrod comes in. I think he's the great, 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 great grandson of Noah. Okay, so this is Shem, Ham. Uh, this is in their line. Okay, so this is further down. So Nimrod is, um, they say, is a power. We're going to talk about this. Is a powerful person, and he's the one that's creating this city. It's the very first empire. We're going to talk about this. The very first empire in the world was here, but God didn't like this, right? So, but let's break down now what we just read. So what happened at Babel sets the stage for the nations against Israel. I'm going to read my notes here, but this is a, what I'm going to share with us right now is a whole system of theology. Okay. So we have to, a lot of times we haven't been taught this uh, in our Sunday schools. We haven't been taught this system of theology, but we have to read it in context of what the Bible is actually saying. So God uses some really unique words. He has, the Lord came down and visited him. Perfect. Well, who's the Lord? Well, that word Lord there capitalized is Yahweh. That actual word is Yahweh. So if we look it up in the Hebrew, we're going to see that's Yahweh. 
So then it says somewhere else in the Bible says, well, God is spirit. No man can see him. Well, how could the Lord Yahweh be on earth? And if God is spirit, no man can see him. Well, that is what we call a Christophany. That is Jesus in human form coming before. When we see that, remember when Joshua was standing and there, there's an angel that was sitting there and he's like, you know, who are you? And he says, the ground that you're on is holy ground. Take off your shoes and sandals. That would have been a Christophany. I believe Melchizedek was a Christophany. I believe that he was Jesus because Abraham gave alms to him and bowed down to him and so forth. And so there's a bunch of different places in the Old Testament. We're going to see them as we go through Genesis of Christophanies, of things where Jesus came back. So that is Lord. How did the Lord come down and, and talk amongst them? Well, it's just like Jesus did when he came down before. It's a Christophany. Just That's a whole other stuff. We'll get into that more. Okay, so that's Lord. Then it says us. We came down. Us came in and, and directed them. Well, who's the us? Well, that's get into that, okay? So um, the us is, let's re, let's turn in our Bibles to J uh, Psalms 82. So if you guys are following along with me, you're going to get to Psalms 82. And we're going to talk about who this us is, okay? So in Psalms 82, I'm going to read out of the ESV. It says, heavenly, it's the heavenly divine counsel or other gods. So it says this, it says, God has taken his place in the divine counsel, okay? Divine counsel. What's divine counsel? That's what it says. In the midst of the gods, that word there is Elohim, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness and the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, Elohim, sons of the most high, Yahweh. All of you, nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like a prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth. That's Yahweh. Judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. So, again, inherit the nations is talking about that God wants to inherit all of the nations, right? But something happened here. This one says that it dispersed the nations. Something happened here at Babel. God says, I'm done with this. I'm angry, right? He comes down. Yahweh comes down and, and with his divine counsel, the us, and they look at it and they say, well, that <clears throat> this isn't good. We need to give them, we need to give them over their inheritance. We need to disperse them amongst. This is not good that they're all conglomerating here. They're creating an empire. There's nothing that's going to stop them now. They're going to create this power and they're all going to come to worship themselves and worship their own things. We're going to get into that details in a little bit. But who is the Lord? So like I said, Genesis 11, 5, it says, who is the Lord? That word is Yahweh from human, but God is the spirit. So that's Yahweh. What was God's purpose to come down? Let's read Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9. <clears throat> so to give the people over to their inheritance. So Deuteronomy 2, 32, 8, 9 says, when the Most High, Yahweh, gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind. When did he divide mankind? We just read it in Genesis 11. That's when God came down. So in Deuteronomy 32, 8, 9, it says he divided the mankind he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. That word there again is Elohim. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So that word allotted heritage is something that we got to pay attention to. God allotted the nations to have their own gods. It says it right here, the sons of God. According to the number of the sons of God, they overlooked the allotted nations. 
But then he called Jacob, which is Israel, and he gave them. And we're going to study that next week when we get into Genesis 12. We're going to talk about when God pulled Abraham out of the land of Canaan. All right. So the next question that we ask is he gave them over to the other gods allotted to them. Okay. That's that. What is that verse? We have to give this context. So in Deuteronomy 29, 26, it says this and went and served other gods, Elohim, and worshiped them, gods, Elohim, whom they had not known and whom he had not allotted to them. So what he's telling us here is that Israel is rebelling against Yahweh and they're serving other gods. Well, God says right here, he did not allot them those gods. He did not give them opsis to go to worship those other gods, but they're worshiping him. So are these gods like false images, just little idols? No, these are actually divine beings. So when you look at that actual word, it's saying Elohim. That is a divine being with power. There's gods, they're oversight. So when we went back to Deuteronomy 32, I mean 82, it's talking about that he's upset with them because they're not ruling properly. He gave them over to the whole nations to rule them, to oversee them, and they're not judging them properly. So God, Yahweh, has to judge those angels. That's what it says in Psalms 82. Well, now we know that they allotted, God allotted them to their inheritance, okay? Here's another one, Deuteronomy 4, 19 through 20. And beware, lest you raise your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, talking about the Elohim, the gods, things that the Lord, that is Yahweh, your God, has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance as you are this day. Okay, so what does this all mean? What are we talking about? So Genesis 11 sets the stage to how God's going to operate. Since Genesis 11, it's been all nations against God's nation. All, God, all the other nations have their own inheritance. They're all serving the other gods. It says the, all the other gods have been allotted to them. That's why evil, that's why sin is happening. And, and God says that he's upset with them. That's in Psalms 82. The heavenly council are saying this. And then, and then Jesus says that I am now going to bring the Messiah through my nation, my inheritance. But he's upset because they're still serving the other nations. So if you look at history, it's been the world against Israel. It's been the world against Yahweh. Yahweh is the creator God. So what did Jesus say? Jesus says that Satan is the God of this world. He's the head. He's one of the main. Whoever Satan is, and we can get into the actual names. There's different names when you actually study the Qumran scrolls of who these other names are. But that's what's happening. And so what we're studying right now is like the epicenter of change. So God is saying, ah, I wiped them out with the, with the flood, but now I'm setting order. I'm now setting up the standard. And it's now, if you start reading the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you're going to now see the Messiah all throughout. And in Genesis 12, when we get into that next week, he tells Abraham, I'm not done with the nations yet. It's through you. You're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to, I'm not done with that. It's through your seed 
that we're going to, that I'm going to be able to save all of the nations. And so remember when Jesus came and he lived the perfect life, he was the perfect sacrifice so that the whole world, John 3, 16, that the whole world can now come unto him and be saved, right? But remember in Revelations where it says, who is worthy to take the title deed? Who is worthy to take back the, all of the world? Because right now he gave all the inheritance over the world. Only Jesus is. And it's only in Jesus is worthy that we can now have access to the Father and to God. Before we could not. Remember, and Jesus said himself, God said himself as his inheritance in Israel as as God. And so we came to worship him. Other people could have come to be Jews and they could have come to that. Remember uh, Rahab? She wasn't a Jew. She right. came. So other people could have, but not many did. It was a war against Israel, always against Israel. And it is to this day. And God's not done with Israel. We had a few shows that we talked about that. All right. Wow. I gave context there. Thoughts, yeah. questions? <laughs> That's, it's crazy. I mean, you hear people... <clears throat> I think it's just easy to forget and we get so tied up in what we see and what we know that we forget there's this whole other battle going behind the scenes. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. And there are gods, they're divine beings and God has a divine council as we just read in Genesis 11 that he rules with. Now he is the creator God. There is only so one like a God, board of, like a board of directors. Yeah, like a board of directors. I mean, look at the. I mean, when you get into Revelations, you look at the the elders, the twenty four elders that yeah. are standing around. Yeah. What? Who are they? Who are they? Divine Council. It's, it says right here. Who's eight, Psalms eighty two? Who is it? Divine Council. So we have to understand he has that. And most people read through the Bible like I never seen that before. Well, because you haven't read in context. And so what is the beautiful thing about us now going through Genesis, we're going to bring context to the New Testament. We're going to bring context to everything that you're reading. And it all started somewhere. And this is where it started. So what we're reading <laughs> in Genesis 11 is the beginning. Man, if you're, beginning if you're watching this on YouTube, and this is the first time you've ever heard of a divine council, that, and just let us know, because to me, this was eye-opening in a lot of different ways. I'd love to hear about it. See if I'm the only one that didn't know about this stuff. There's right. a, well, there's a book out uh, called Unseen Realm by yeah. Michael Heiser, and yeah. I've sh we've shared this on the show a few times. But if you want to really get dive into this, where it'll blow your mind, read that book, Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's get started. <laughs> get started. Up until this point, we know that God records four great events, um, meaning before Genesis 11. Yeah, so, we're gonna go into it. So the creation of the universe. Yep. The fall of man, and yep. Pete kind of went over these already, yep. the flood, and now the attempted construction of the Tower of Babel. All these chapters have revealed that whatever mankind disobeys God, whenever mankind disobeys God, he will judge their sin. And then his grace makes a new beginning. Amen. I mean, the Bible verse that says you will reap what you sow, you have to understand if you are living in the flesh, if you are desiring to do things your way and not waiting upon God in his way, you will face the consequences of that. There will be judgment upon your life. Some way, somehow you will reap what you sow. The law of sowing and reaping. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that God doesn't love you. He does. It doesn't change the fact that God is still not present. He is. And he will walk through this with you, but you cannot have intimacy with the father. He cannot have any he cannot have any any part of your sin. He can't. And he will allow it to, to, to take its toll on you. And then there's going to come a time where God's going to be enough. And that's what we're seeing here. 
there's going to come a time where God's going to say enough and he's going to alter what we thought was the best way. He's going to alter that and change your circumstance. There will come a time if you're living in sin that he will alter your circumstances and change your way. It is what it is. So in spite of us, he will accomplish his perfect will. Adam and Eve sinned, but God clothed them and promised to send the world a redeemer through them. Cain killed Abel, but God sent Seth to carry out the godly line. The Sethlehites intermarried with the godless Canaanites, and God had to wipe the earth clean with a flood. But Noah and his family believed God's word and were spared. After the flood, the descendants of Noah, three sons, repopulated the earth. But the new beginning with Noah eventually led to one of the most arrogant revolts against God's recorded anywhere in Scripture. What we're reading right now is the game changer. It's mm. something that sets the stage. And so let's dive deeper into it. All right. So let's break down the revolt in verses one through four. It's likely that the events in chapter 11 occurred prior to chapter 10 and that the description of the nations that descended across the world was a consequence of God's judgment. We read here at Babel, that, that we read here at Babel. Do you think perhaps the story was placed here in Genesis so it could lead into the genealogy of Shem? which then leads into the genealogy of Abraham, the founder of the Hebrew nation. Basically, what I'm saying is the arrangement we read here does not flow in chronicle, right. chronological order, which happens a lot in the Old Testament, right? No, that, and that's a really good observation, and it's, and it's something that we need to understand. So yeah, I agree with you, and it's important for us to know that the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, sometimes jumps around and is not, not in chronological order. What we can glean from this is that God had commanded the peoples to be fruitful and multiply and to scatter across the earth, but they decided to move to Nimrod city of Babylon and settle there. This move was a blatant rebellion against God's command, but the people scatter. Nimrod wanted the people in his city and under his control. On a side note, Nimrod was the son of Cush, grandson of Ham, and a great-grandson of Noah. He was king in the land of Shinar and is called in the Bible a mighty hunter warrior. He established the first world empire in Babylon and created a world system that did not depend on God, but on themselves for survival. So let me give context to this now. So this is a very big deal. Okay. So again, I'm telling you this Genesis 11 is huge, huge. Okay. So what is happening here? So Babylon is being set up, the first empire, okay? Nimrod is the king. He's part of Shem. That's part of Noah's line, okay? So he's setting it up. He's creating a system that's opposite of God's system. What's God's system? That's why he called Abraham. He says, I am going to be your God. I will fight for you. I will provide for you. I will protect you, just like when in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm your God. Just trust me, worship me, serve me. I will take care of that. What is the world system? You have to work hard to earn money. You have to do your things to figure out your next steps. You have to do all of this. And in that system, there's chaos, there's pride, there's greed, there's all of this about my bank account. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's dog eat dog world right? It's I'm stronger. I'm going to win. I'm smarter. I'm going to win. I'm the, all this stuff. That's the world system that he set up. I'm the charge. And this is how it's going to operate. God's like, uh, -uh that's not, that's not right. Well, how do we know it's that system? We go to revelation 16 through 18 and revelation 16 is 18. It says the Babylonian system will come to an end. 
all of you merchants, all of you people that have been doing trade and selling and, and, and trying to figure out your life your way, apart from trusting in God in his way, that is all coming to an end. He's going to destroy all of that system. And he's going to bring a new heaven, Revelation 21. He's going to bring a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to restart over. So this is a restart to a restart. So restart over from Noah was a restart. Sent the, sent the rainbow so that we know that he's never going to flood the earth again. So we have that reminder. And then in Reve and then in Genesis 11, now he's restarting again with the Tower of Babel. He said, ah, this system is not going to th work. This is only a few hundred years later. Uh, yeah, it's so no, Noah lived 350 years. Abraham overlapped, uh, Noah for about 35 years to 30, 35 years. And so they're overlapping. Abraham is. And so this is before Abraham, this is a Nimrod, but maybe, yeah, a couple hundred years after. Yep. Crazy. So they've built an empire. This is all, I mean, that's pretty rapid growth, right? Yep. From, from the Ark yep. to yep. Babylon in 300 years. Yep. Wow. So, so again, it's, um, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, this is a huge deal. So we have to understand this, what events taking place here, it comes back full circle in Revelations. That's how big this is. That's the thread here, right? And so God is saying, this is not going to work. I'm going to call for self, my inheritance, my person. That's where the Messiah comes through. You have to see that all throughout. Jesus is here on, on earth. All throughout, you're going to see Jesus. As we go through G Genesis, we're going to see Jesus constantly pointing to the Messiah. All right. All right. Next one. The yeah. tower that Nimrod built at Babel is known as a, a ziggurat. Yeah. Archaeologists have ex excavated several of these large structures, which were built primarily for religious purposes. A ziggurat was like a pyramid. I saw right? that ziggurat as ziggurat? Uh, in, in Pisa, uh, Giza. So when I was in Egypt last, I saw that. That was like a ziggurat. It was set up like, a, like Giza. Right? Yeah. So it's like a pyramid, except yeah. that the successive levels were recessed. So you could walk up like... Like like their steps. You could do that in Giza. You can walk up their steps. So that's cool. Did you take yeah. pictures? We yeah. could we could put we could put it on the website yeah, or right. on the social media site. Right. Okay. At the top of, of it was a special shrine dedicated to a god or a goddess. In building the structure, the people weren't trying to climb up to heaven to dethrone God, but rather they were hoping that God or the goddess they worshipped would come down from heaven to meet them there. The structure and city was called Babel, which means the gate of the gods. Yeah, I mean, there's not a coincidence that that's the name of it, right? But um, in Egyptian, Egyptianologists, that's the same thing. So they built it as a burial, but they also built these temples so that they can worship their god or goddesses. And so as we just learned in the Bible, there are other divine gods. They have power, supernatural power. They can take on human form. Um, as we know that in Genesis 6, we know that they took on human form, these watchers, and they were able to impregnate a woman. So that's, you know, when people say, well, Zeus is this and all that, it's not as far-fetched as you think. You know, each one of these divine beings all oversaw certain parts of the land. They were in certain parts to create order, to, to help the people. But the, they ended up sinning against God again, as we saw in the Psalms 82. So that's that's what took place. Um, the, the infamous building project was an arrogant declaration of war against Yahweh. So this is Nimrod thumbing his nose at him and saying, hey, Nimrod said, I'm going to do it my way. This is my Tower of Babel. This is my God. This is how I'm going to live my life. This is how I'm going to feel. It's all about me and it's not about you. I'm going to set it up the my way, how I think is best. So not unlike the revolt described in Psalms 2, 1, 3, where it says, 
Why do the nations rage and peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord Yahweh and against his anointing, anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We see here the people resisting God's edict to scatter and to repopulate the earth. Motivated by their pride to do things their way, they decided to build an empire and stay there to do their own things. But even more, they wanted to make a name for themselves so that others would admire them and perhaps come and join them. They were fulfilling what Satan told Eve in the garden in Genesis 3.5, you will be like God. Mm. That's what's taking place here. That is a big deal. And Jesus is saying, I'm going down there and I'm going to talk with him myself and I'm going to do something about this because he is in charge. So again, man, God bless you. He just, Bob just sneezed. Man, man wants to do their way. God's going to do it his way. And that's what we talked about. All right, let's go on. All right. In verses five through nine, we see God's response to the rebellion. Charles Beard once said, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad with power. Mm. From Babel to Belshazzar, Daniel 5, and from Herod, Acts 12, 20 through 25, to Hitler, God has demonstrated repeatedly that it doesn't pay to rebel against his will. Amen. I mean, I love that statement by Charles Beard. Whom the gods would destroy, again, lowercase gods, Elohim, they first make mad with power. So why <clears throat> what is going on here in Tower of Babel? They're, it's all about power. What is happening with Gaza? What is happening in the in Israel right now? It's all about power. It's about authority. It's about taking control. We hate you. We want to destroy you. Cain versus Abel. That's been the world since then. So, And it's driven by evil. It's driven by the gods of this world. It's driven by a divine beings that are evil coming to destroy God's inheritance. We are now God's inheritance. We have been grafted in. We're now a part of that promise that he gave Israel, right? That's the promise to Abraham. We're going to learn that next week where it's talking about you're the father of many nations. It's through the Messiah that we are now grafted in. It's through that, okay? But here it's talking about Babel to Belshazzar, Daniel 5, from Herod to, to Hitler. It's no matter what, Hitler, I mean, Herod tried to build his own thing. He was trying to be God. I mean, everybody, Belshazzar was trying. Remember Meta Meta Tauta? Remember when that the the, the hand that wrote on the wall and Belshazzar's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to allow you to be God, no way. And same with Babylon, remember? I mean, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, remember? He made him, a, made him uh, eat grass for six years or whatever. You know, you can't, you can't think that if you're, like the world now, you can't think that they're going to be able to get away with this. It's not going to happen. There's going to come a time where God's going to say, enough is enough. I'm done. That and will he's, not be mocked. He's going to reset course. And he's there's going to be a circumstance that happens and his perfect will will get done. There's no doubt in my mind. It's throughout the Bible. But the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 12, that those that exalt themselves will be crushed down. We must know that God is in heaven is never perplexed or paralyzed by what people do on earth. Babel's conceited statement of let's go up was answered by heaven's calm statement of let's go down. Psalms 2, 4 says, but the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. God will correct man's stupidity with his perfect will. Period. <laughs> 
And so look at our today, look at what's happening in the world today. It start this was this was the epicenter. This was the beginning of what we're seeing today. It started at the Babel. We saw what God did then, and we are seeing what God is doing now. He will get his perfect will no matter what. I mean, Jesus, just him coming back, doing what he did, how he had to go against all odds. I mean, how many times did his did Herod want to kill him? How many times did people want to kill him? And he still said, nah, you're not, I'm not being dead yet until it was time, until the perfect will of Father was done. I'm not doing my will, Jesus said. I'm only doing what the Father's will is. I am a, a being obedient to him. All right. As with Adam and Eve in the garden, God's judgment at Babel not only dealt with the immediate sins, but also helped to prevent future problems. The unity of mankind would only give people a false sense of power that would lead them into even greater rebellion against God. By confusing their language and scattering them all over the earth, God graciously spared their lives and gave them opportunity to return to him. Yeah, we serve such a good God. I mean, no matter what I do, God's still gracious and he's still willing to forgive me. Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Jeffrey Dahmer was this mad uh, serial killer and he gave his life to the Lord at the very end and he showed him grace and mercy. If he could show him grace and mercy, he could show any of us grace and mercy. But he could have destroyed the builders, their city and their tower, but he chose to let them live. He had a greater purpose and that was the scatter of the people throughout the world. His perfect will was done in spite of us. So he had a purpose. He wanted them to multiply. He wants us to multiply, but he wants us to multiply through one spirit being after another spirit being. So that's what he tells us to do. When he says go and multiply, not only we do it physically because we want them to be raised up in the spirit, but he also wants us to minister in the spirit to other people and multiply so that the word of God continues to advance until the kingdom continues to move forward. So that's what God's perfect will is. That's what he says. And and, and we know that he doesn't need us because if he wants the rocks to cry out, he would. Or if he wants to send an angel to do it, he doesn't need us. But because of his love for us, he chooses to use us for his glory. But we, in spite of ourselves, are still stupid and we still do our own thing. And God's sitting there still saying, but I love you. I'm still here. I show grace. It's so amazing. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> All right. Uh, the word babble sounds like the Hebrew word Balal or yeah, Bala. yeah, easy for you to say, which yeah. means confusion. Because of God's judgment, the gate of the gods became the door to confusion. Instead of making a name for themselves, God gave the project a new name. <laughs> he did. And so 1 Corinthians 14 33 tells us that God is not the author of confusion, but order. But in the world, God sometimes uses confusion to humble people and keeps them from uniting against his will. So you remember how. Uh, the Israelites, they were going to battle. We're going to learn some of this when we talk about in Genesis, where all of a sudden the, the armies turned against each other and they were confused and they started killing each other. Yeah, Dude, at any given moment, God could do that in the world today. That can happen in the Gaza. That can happen in any part. He does not need us, right? But when it comes to your own life, if there's confusion in your life, then that's not of God because God is order. God is peace. God is, God is, uh, is, is, it has a perfect will about it. There's a goodness, there's a truth in it. And so if that is, if, if there's chaos, if there's confusion in your life, then you're being led by Satan and you have to call it out. And so if that's you, you got to call that out. All right. All right. So Nimrod wanted to make his name great. God stopped that plan. In contrast, he did make a, a man's name great. In Genesis 12, it's Abraham. But it was God doing it, not man doing it. 
It was done for God's glory and not for the glory of man or Nimrod. We have to understand that when we're still before God and we're waiting upon him, God's spirit will come upon you and God will lead you into your next steps. What happens, I mean, for my perfect, my life, I looked at one of my days the other day and I'm looking at how much I have to be done. I have so much on our plate. Bob, you were, we were just talking about how busy we are. And, and God always presses upon my heart, says, listen, there's no way you can do that in your own power. You have to do it in my power. You have to be still in my presence. You have to know what I'm saying. And you can do it, but you can't do it in your own power. And it's the same thing with everything in our own life. We try to fix and try to do everything in our own power. And we have the weight of the world on us. We have the burdens. We have the pressure. We have the stresses. We have all of that. And God says, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. You should never have that. You should only have the joy of the Lord as a body of Christ, as a Christian, as a follower, you should have nothing but peace and joy. And that's what the Bible is saying. And that's what uh, he's telling Nimrod. Nimrod, you have all the weight of the world. You're trying to figure this out on your own and you're trying to do this and this is not okay. And I'm going to set up order so that this never happens again. And they can, you can go ahead and still choose your own way. That's fine. But I am the better way. And I will give you the better choices and I will bring rest to your life, but you have to choose me. You have to choose the God of the, the Yahweh, the God of the Bible, and, and, or you can choose the other, other things. And they all chose the other gods. And yes. that's why that you, everybody asks, well, why didn't God come to the whole world? Well, he did. He gave them opportunities, but they rebelled against him. That's right here. He gave them opportunities, but they rebelled against him. They chose to do it their way. And God says, well, you either do it your way or my way. In my way, there's peace and rest. In their way, there's chaos and agony and hate and pain. It's a choice. That's a good point. They did give them a choice. Yep. And then what? It, that's kind of where Israel comes. Well, we'll get to that next week. Well, Noah's, well, I mean, Noah's son, Shem, his name means name. So because we're talking about how God gave you know Abraham a new name um, in Hebrew. But Abraham, a descendant of Shem, was promised that God would make his name great. We learned that. We're going to learn that next week when we talk about Genesis 12, too. But the people of the world depended on their own wisdom and efforts, and they failed to achieve lasting fame. Who knows the name of anybody who worked on the famous Tower of Babel? Nobody even knew Nimrod did, right? Nobody knows those names. Yet the name of Abraham is known around the world and re revered by Jews, Muslims, and Christians. It's revered because God is the one. If we trust in God, God will elevate you. I have had to learn to be content, hmm. to operate at God's pace, right? Because some of me, sometimes I want to be like so-and-so. I want to be like that pastor. I want to be like that guy. I want to write this book. I want to do all this. And God say, nah, that's not what I called you to be. I want you to be who you're supposed to be. You be content. I will elevate you in due time. I will bring you to the leadership or I'll bring you to that next step, but you just be holy and be still with me. And, and the Bible is very clear. He can, we, he can only entrust with us to the surrender, to the level of surrender that we give. Mm. And so if, if I am not fully surrendered, he cannot entrust more things to me. But if I am fully surrendered, I have that intimacy with the Lord, then that God can say, hey, look at his patterns. Look at the way he's surrendered. Look at the way he's trusting me in those areas that he once had hangups, but now he's set free. And then he can entrust more, more with us. But it's God is the one that's going to elevate you. It's not your efforts to do it. It's your surrender that's going to do it. So that's the difference. Really good. Yeah. All right. Um, the story of Babel isn't just part of ancient history because Babel and Babylon represent or present a spiritual challenge today to every believer. What are some of those spiritual challenges? That's a great question. Babylon symbolizes worldly pride, right? Moral corruption and defiance against God. 
That's whenever you're trying to make your living and trying to make your life about your system, you're not trusting God any longer. You're not fully surrendered to him. You're, you're surrendered to the world. And now it's your pride. How hard am I working? How much am I, how much is it my effort? What did I do? What did, all of that stuff? That's the world system. That's Babylon. That's what it represents. The biblical contrast is between the earthly city of Babylon that rebels against God and the heavenly city of Jerusalem. That brings glory to God. Babylon represents the world system that opposes God, hates Jesus, and appeals to the base appetites of human nature. Babylon is the opposite of heavenly Jerusalem, which is the city of saints, Hebrews 12, 18. And, and when we trust in God, we have peace. When we don't trust in God, we have anxiety and angst. That's it, period. All right. In the original Babel, the people wanted to build a tower that reached up to heaven. But in the Babylon of Revelation 17 and 18, Babylon sins reach up to heaven. The original worldwide unity that Nimrod desired for Genesis. Wait, wait, wait back to that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so the tower reached to heaven. They wanted to grow to heaven. Remember, that's the reason why they did the power of Babel? Yep. All right. Well, God, Jesus came down and said, ah, that's not going to happen. But they established that system. And eventually it did get into heaven. And now God said, I'm going to do something about it. Revelation 17, 18. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good. So the original worldwide unity that Nimrod desired for Genesis is Babylon will one day be achieved by Satan's godless world system. We're kind of seeing that today, Pete. It is. Because Earthly... Satan's fully in charge of what's going on. And, and here, here's where we get the title from our show. Earthly Babylon is called a prostitute, while the holy city from heaven is called the bride of Christ. That's it. So Babylon is the prostitute. Why is it a prostitute? Because it's serving other gods. Remember, we're going to learn this in Genesis. We're going to learn this is that Israel, you're a prostitute. You're going to other gods. You're, you're giving yourself over to other people. Come back to the bride. Come back to me. And he constantly is petitioning the Jewish people to come back to him and stop serving them. So they looked at him as prostitutes. So when you look at the Babylon and you look at it in context, immediately they're called the prostitutes. It's because they're serving other gods. They're, they're leaving their first love. It's like my wife, if she were to go and be a prostitute, she's serving other men. She's leaving the first left. We, we know that in Gomer, right? In the Bible where it talks about Gomer and went away. Same thing here. That's why God gave, that's why God did that Gomer whole series. That's why he went through that to show them that's what you're doing. And so that's what's happening with Babylon. So whenever we operate in the world system, the economic system that we are, whenever we put our trust and hope there, whenever we try to control anything, we're prostitutes. We have to put that in our understanding. We are turning our back from trusting God and letting him be our God. And that is where we're called the bride of Christ. So that's um, a powerful picture. Yeah. All right. What human, what humanity can't achieve by, excuse me, <laughs> awful cough today, Pete, what humanity can't achieve by means of its proud towers. Jesus has achieved by dying on the cross. Amen. All who trust in him are one in him and will share heaven together one day, regardless of race, nationality, language, or tribe, Amen. Revelation 7, 9. Yeah. So while the world system is outwardly producing uniformity, inwardly it's tearing things apart. We know that because we see it. It's chaos everywhere. What social media scientists are now calling technology is nopoly, I should say, technopoly, is controlling and destroying people's lives. The Holy Spirit is using the church as an agent of reconciliation to bring people together in Christ. In one sense, Pentecost was a reverse of Babel. For the people present in Jerusalem at Pentecost heard the praises of God in their own language. That The day is coming soon when people from every tribe and every nation will worship Jesus, and the judgment of Babel will be done away with. 
Zephaniah 3.9. Each person must make a choice. On that day, will we identify more with Babylon or with Jerusalem, the worldly prostitute or the heavenly bride? Wow. That's the question. And that's, that's where a lot of the confusion is. I mean, a lot of people are confused about who God is. Well, they've believed the lies of the Satan. That's the God of confusion. In Jesus, we find nothing but truth. In Jesus, we find nothing but hope. In Jesus, we find nothing but peace. In Jesus, we find nothing but what is right, what is good. In, 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 in the Babylonian system is tearing us away. You know, I, I think of when the Israelites got back in, when he had to, he had to get remove all of the world system that was in Israel before the Israelites had come in. And he wanted to set up the, the proper system. He goes, I will be your God. You will serve me. And, and, you know, David understood that before David went to, for most of the time, before David went to war, he said, God, should I go to war or not? God was God. God was in charge. Yeah, I will, I will, I will give them unto your hands. I will take care of you. Right. Remember, there's times where, um, you know, he said, I, we can't remember in Hezekiah, we can't defeat them. We don't know where he sent an angel of the Lord out and boom, 150,000 of them or whatever died. He didn't need it, but he was saying, I am your God. I'm going to protect you. The same thing with our lives. There's, we can trust in the world system. We can trust in the chaos and see all that's going on. Or we can say, no, in Jesus, everything is okay. He is fully in control. He's in charge of all the circumstances that are happening today. And we can we know that he will lead our next steps if we just be in his presence and trust him. So I know there's a lot of people today that <clears throat> haven't given their life to the Lord. And you can do that now. I mean, the opportunity is here. Um, maybe you've been been, you know, worried about your next job, or maybe that's all that you care about, or maybe there's something that's happening in your own life now that's just out of control. Maybe your marriage is messed up. Maybe there's something that's happening where, um, you, you know, you can't control, maybe your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, whatever, your kids are rebelling, whatever it is, maybe it's just completely out of control and you, and you're just, your life is just miserable. But Jesus says that if you just surrender all of that to me, Trust me with all of that and be still in my presence and let me have control over that and just walk faithfully with me moment by moment. I will turn chaos into joy. I will turn everything and work all things together for good for those who are called to call to my purpose. And, and you can have that. And so maybe you're a follower of Christ and that's happening in your life. Well, the Bible says just repent of that today. Just turn from that. Just say, God, forgive me for trusting in, in the system of the world. Forgive me for trying to control things and for trying to, to figure out my next steps on my own. And I, and I repent of that and I trust you and I want to surrender that. So help me, teach me how to, how to walk faithfully and holy before you. And I promise if you're crying out to God and you're saying that to him, he will answer your prayer. And he also, I mean, you can get a hold of us and contact with us and we'll help you get to this, uh, next steps. We'll help disciple you through that. Um, or get in charge with, touch with your pastor or your church or a leader at church, and they can help walk you through that next steps. But maybe you're listening today and you haven't given your life at all to the Lord. Maybe you've just been living in this Babylonian system and you and you and God talked to you just now when you said, which one are you choosing? Are you choosing to be a worldly prostitute of Babylon system? Or are you choosing to be a bride of Christ? And if that's it, all you have to do is just repent of your sins and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I, I want to give my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to, to bring me salvation if I believe in you. And, and I choose today to live for you the rest of my life. 
And if you pray that, the Bible now says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing. They're, they're celebrating with you. They're having a party because you gave your life to the Lord. Hmm. And the next thing to do is the Bible tells us to go and tell somebody. The Bible says, if you confess me before man, I too will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I too will deny you before my Father in heaven. Don't deny God any longer. Go and confess them. Come tell us. Go tell your mom. Go tell your brothers, your sisters, your dad, your friends. Go tell somebody that you just gave your life to the Lord, that you've been set free from the bondages of, of Babylon. You're no longer a prostitute. You are now a bride of Christ. Bob, we would love to hear from them. How could they get in hold of us? Yeah, what an honor that would be to hear uh, from, from you today that you made that decision. And one of the best ways to do that is just jump onto our website, The Riot Podcast. There's a there's a No God tab, which will give you a lot of information to answer a bunch of questions that you may have. But if you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place, there, a contact page where you can reach out to us. And we would love to answer any questions you have um, or just to just you know, hey, say hello and tell us about your decision that you made today. What a man, what a blessing that would be to us as well. So uh, we, so you got the website, you got all of our social media, just look up the Riot Podcast, whether it be on Facebook, on X, or um, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch it. If you're, you know, one of those people like me that listens to podcasts while you're walking or driving, um, you know, every once in a while, I like to watch and kind of see the people that I'm listening to. So I'll jump on their YouTube channel. So if you do that, uh, for us, that would be awesome. And make sure while you're there to click that little bell, you get notified anytime that uh, a new episode gets released. And if you would go ahead and subscribe and just share something in the comments, it just helps get the word out to more people. Um, it really doesn't do anything for us, but it helps build the channel and hopefully um, uh, broaden our reach. What is the the prayer of Jabez, right, yeah, Pete? Yeah. And uh, man, we would just love for more people mm. to be able to hear the show, not for our glory, but uh, to just share the word of God with other people. So we would be honored if you would do that. Have an amazing week, guys. Pete, this was a eye-opening show. Yes, I, you, I was. You kept saying this is a, a turning point. This it, is a pivot point, yeah, man. Big, big. This, is, this is big. And yeah. uh, there's just so much, there's so much good stuff in there. Dive into your Bible this week, folks. Devour it. The more you, the more you read and the more you just just dive in the hungrier you will get for it mm. and you'll just create it just creates an appetite by eating it it creates an appetite so uh and don't just jump into it our amen. god is good amen be blessed guys this has been the riot podcast if you liked what you heard today please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends see you back here next week for another episode of the riot podcast